Bienvenidos a Radio Manea, y'all. My name is Vero Yeti Flores. And I'm Miriam Suela Perez, and we are two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. Each week we bring you music from the Latin artists that we love, and this week we are diving in on Luzmila Carpio, who is a Quechua and Aymara indigenous artist and genius, a really important artist for in Latin America and throughout the world. And Perez did some research for us this mm-hmm. week, so we can do this deep dive. Yeah. So we're going to start with a song um, called Tadpuri Kusum Sarata. Um, I don't speak Quechua, so doing my best to pronounce it. Let's take a listen. This is by Luzmila Carpi. from a 2015 album. It's her last album called Luzmila Carpio Meets ZZK. And this one is a collaboration with Captain Planet, um, who I was not familiar with, not no association with the cartoon, <laughs> as far as I know. And he's a white American DJ who works with a lot of international artists. Mm, he's American. Yeah, he's from the US. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, ZZK, I think, is an, is an Argentine label right. that does a lot of work yeah. Yeah, with yeah, yeah. indigenous artists and interesting Latin American sounds. Yeah. Yeah, and this artist was pretty well, this album was pretty well received. Some of it was like classics of hers that were redone. Um, and for some reason, this song actually has 2 million listens on Spotify, and like her other songs on Spotify have like. 200,000 listens so I'm curious about why this one particularly like kind of went a little bit viral and it whether it has to do with like Captain Planet and maybe his reach yeah um but um but yeah it's it's one of her one of her songs so she's you know she was born and raised in you know the indigenous communities within what we know as Bolivia she lives in Paris now she's been there for many years um and yeah she's probably one of the best known indigenous um singers and musicians from Latin America yeah, and we are doing this right now in November sort of as an antidote to a lot of the a revisionist history that we hear around Thanksgiving, around the ways that indigenous people first interacted with colonizers when they first arrived. So, you know, y'all probably know some of that, probably have heard counter narratives, but if you haven't, you know, do a little bit of research. That's not how that shit went down. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, and we're going to... She One of her songs recounts a story of like an indigenous woman like rebel and um 
and sort of um, militant who tried to fight the Spanish. So, yeah, it was not peace and love in Turkey. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Although that's like the North American yeah. colonizer story. But there's, still not true. <laughs> yeah, it's still, you know, it was not pretty anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, we thought this was a good moment to be uplifting her work. And Veto brought a song of hers back to an Indigenous artist episode we did like years ago. Um, but we thought, yeah, that her sort of career worth was worth a deeper dive. So we're just going to go through some of the songs that she has and kind of talk about the impact of her work. Yeah, she's incredible, and she's still around. She's, a, you know, one of uh-huh. Latin America's treasures. Yeah. So um, trying to give her her flowers also while she's still here. Right. Yeah, she was born in 49, and I have to say she looks great. Yeah, she really does. <laughs> okay, so the next song I wanted to talk about is actually a song that isn't sung by her, but it's a melody that she composed. And it's actually inspired by um, a, a different, uh, by the music of the Northern Potosi, which is another indigenous um, region in Bolivia. And this one, Remescla, I'm going to link in the show notes, there's an article by, about Remes, from Remescla about um, Lusmila, because it sounds like she has a new album coming out soon. And so they were talking to her, talking about her work. Um, and they mentioned this as like the first truly indigenous song to have widespread popular success. Wow, that's incredible. Let's take a listen to yeah. it. So it's called Siwe Asusena by Pusisu Yu Siku Talas. Let's take a listen. So, um, most pretty much what we could figure out is that they are a group, um, a musical group. There wasn't a lot that we could find. We found their Instagram. Seems like it's a group of people that maybe shifts who's involved. Um, an indigenous, indigenous artists. I love the pan flute. It has such a beautiful sound. Yeah, yeah, it's a very traditional um, in uh, Andean indigenous music for sure mm-hmm. and i think these folks are from bolivia from what is now bolivia also so yeah similar so um Lusmila was born in a place called kuala kuala and she talks about often in her interviews that there were that she's really proud of the fact that there are no spanish churches 
in the pueblo no yeah no catholic churches no yeah. catholic churches no the spanish basically didn't make it to that um to that region or that that pueblo at least and so mm-hmm. she talks about how there's like still this very um, deep connection with madre tierra with mother nature with like the environment as kind of like a spiritual home which i think is you know it's a theme that you hear a lot among indigenous groups in terms of the relationship to mother nature so um and that really affects the music in the way that she talks about it right yeah i mean that's so much of her music i mean you hear like natural elements in the music there's bird song there's water flowing like she Mm -hmm. uses these natural elements Mm -hmm. and she talks about sort of like learning to sing from the natural environment so from bird song and from um, the noises of nature like influence the way in which she sings um, and then also the ways in which like her community uses song as part of cultivating crops and harvest and seasons like it's all very integrated I think the voice is just like a part of how they relate to the environment that's really dope that's really dope and it makes a lot of sense you know it's when you your survival is so connected to the earth in such an obvious way all obviously all of our survival is connected to the earth just that we are personally so disconnected from it yeah. these days in the ways that society um western societies have set up our worlds which is i don't think unrelated to the predicament we find ourselves no. in right now with societal and environmental collapse um, but it makes a lot of sense that that would be so intertwined in the way that music and culture is created. Yeah, and, th- and that's why also, like, it's not a coincidence that when colonization has happened, indigenous people are removed from their land because that, you know, that displacement, I think, really contributes to the disintegration of those communities and it mm-hmm. makes it much harder for people to survive apart from their um, their homeland and also the way in which they live in the world. And so, you know, the fact that she talks about her Pueblo, even like an interview we watched from like six years ago that has sort of remained kind of isolated from the impacts of Catholicism and, and colonialism as like a really source of like beauty and power is not, you know, it's not a coincidence that that's the case. Yeah, and it's so interesting that she's, even just by saying that she believes it's a good thing that there isn't a Catholic church in her town because that allowed for the culture to remain a more true version Mm -hmm. of itself pre-colonization is so rebellious of her to to say. (laughs) And, you know, she is saying without saying out loud the thing that, you know, that she's, the thing that she's not saying but that she is saying is, what a force for colonization and evil the Catholic Church has been. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, missionary work is like a form of colonialism. Yeah. Like has really fueled colonialism. Yeah. And continues to fuel it, um, even in like evangelical churches and Mormon churches and other groups that that do a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. We watched like a little bit of a YouTube interview with, I think she was – Spanish, maybe the interviewer. Yeah, or Argentine, Argentine or something. Green, you know, green eyes, white skin, and just watching her face (laughs) as like Lucmila said things that were not combative. They were these very like true facts, you know. But I feel like she like she kept making these faces like she didn't know how to (laughs) respond. Wild. I was like, you need to fix your face, my my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so Lucmila, I mean, I think was like identified as someone who had a really beautiful voice very early on. Um, we were both looking up like um, she's known to have a whistle register, 
which like I sort of thought Veta would know what that meant because Mariah Carey is also somebody with a whistle register. Yeah, we looked it up on Wikipedia. I assumed that it was just somebody who could like sing like super high in the way like in that like really high set mm-hmm. of pitches that Mariah sings right. her little whistle register. But it's also like where in your vocal cords you use. And it's something actually a little bit more complicated that involves some sort of science and singing that I don't understand. Yeah. But it's a big deal, I guess. It's impressive and it's not very common. Yeah, it's very rare. Yeah, apparently. it's very rare. Yeah. Um, so that's probably part of the reason why she, you know, went in the direction she did with her with her life. And so there's some stories um, that were mentioned in the Romescal article, which I'll, I'll link in the show notes and also on her Wikipedia page about um, when she was 11, she went to like the neighboring city called Oruro and she found... Um, there was a radio show that was having like a singing opportunity for kids to come and sing. And she went and sang and she sang an indigenous song in Quechua. Cause that's the, you know, that's the language, that's the music that she knew. And she was like chastised by the radio host for it and like kind of told to go away um, because she wasn't speaking in Spanish. Ooh. Gross. I mean, I guess you're thinking we're talking about like 1960, right? So, um, and then the story goes that she then learned the Spanish song that she learned was the Bolivian national anthem. Wow. <laughs> and so she went back and sang it again in a different moment and then was like still made fun of by these assholes for like something about her indigeneity was, was she was still really cute. So she faced a lot of discrimination unsurprisingly in, in Bolivia. Um, but at 15, she joined a group called Los Provincianos who sang in both Spanish and Quechua. So she has made a career for herself singing in um, indigenous language and her native language, which is really amazing. Yeah, that's really dope. It's, you know, she is, like I said earlier in the episode, like one of like the most like, you know, like like this luminary of mm-hmm. indigenous song and music in Latin America. And obviously like Quechua people are like one group of people of many in Latin America, but um, but she's really like such a well-known figure and it, I can't imagine how difficult it must have been, especially like, you know, like you go to the town next door and sing a song in your language and you're chastised for it. Um, so it must have taken so much grit to be able to get where she is. To keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And to not be like admired for your voice instead. Yeah. Chastised. Um, so let's take another, another listen to the next song which kind of gets a little bit into some um, indigenous kind of history and um, about this amazing indigenous woman leader who's kind of a revolutionary. So the song is called Bartolina Sisa. Let's take a listen.
So tell us about Bartolina Sisa. Yeah, so I, I learned about her today from um, looking, doing the research for this um, episode, and it's very powerful and kind of chilling, honestly. But so she was um, an indigenous woman, Aymara woman from the 1700s, and she um, was part of leading a major sort of anti um, Spanish uprising, eventually trying to sort of like push back on Spanish colonialism and Spanish colonists who were you know, occupying the area. Um, and she and her husband, who, um, his name is Tupac. So people might, you know, know that reference from Tupac Shakur, who's named after, I think there was two different Tupacs in the story. I'm not sure which one, but one of them is her husband. Um, and so they were able to organize a successful siege on La Paz for 184 days. And so they basically like kept, yeah, they isolated the city, kept any like things from going in and out and they had a whole um they had like 100,000 indigenous um soldiers essentially people who were fighting with them um and they had like a command center and the story that I read about her was that she had a major major role in kind of facilitating what was happening and then her husband was captured and then she was in even more leadership Mm -hmm. um but eventually they were defeated because the Spanish were able to bring in people from around the region to come and basically stamp out this insurrection um, wow. But so she's like an, a kind of an idol, um, an indigenous woman kind of leader and idol come from history. That's incredible. I'm sad I didn't know about her before this moment. I know. I know. Um, she's definitely, there's a lot of organizations and things named after her in, in Bolivia. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that was really like, I'm still like, I can still feel it in my stomach was reading about her. Um, you know, her husband, they said he was he was hung or whatever, executed by the Spanish. But then they specifically mentioned that she was, like, tortured in, like, the town square, like, in front Oof. of everyone, right? Which is, like, these are things that happened um, and probably still happen in some places. But as part of sort of, like, war and insurrection and, like, the way in which they tried to suppress people from doing similar things. You know, those stories exist in North America as well. But um, But they specifically mentioned that she was, like, humiliated tortured and raped and then murdered and i'm just like something about that is just like i kind of can't shake that that piece of information for some reason um i don't know something about the way women in particular like are brutalized i mean Mm -hmm. i'm I'm sure it happens to men as well yeah there's like rape and stuff that happens when people are being um executed or murdered and like just like horrible things that happen when like groups of mob mentality and i don't know there's there's a lot there but for some reason it's like really like sitting heavily in my chest to imagine what she had to experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. But I think it is really important to remember that there was so much resistance um, from indigenous peoples and really well-organized resistance too. I think we have this idea that the, you know, Spaniards or the British or whoever was colonizing whatever of these places in the Americas, whether it be the Portuguese or whoever was colonizing, were somehow better organized or more powerful or had guns or, you know, better weapons or better technology. And um, I think it's important to remember that indigenous peoples for a very long time had led a really successful resistance, not only because their weapons were actually better. Generally guns were, you know, guns in like the 1400s to the 1800s were like pretty crappy. Right. And you needed a lot of equipment. Yeah. A lot of equipment, very heavy, not very accurate. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Um, and also, obviously, indigenous people had a leg up because it was their land. And actually, what ended up being the linchpin in the um, in the defeat for these like territory defense battles that indigenous peoples were waging was actually illness, mm. um, communicable disease that Spaniards and the British and Europeans brought over to the United States and to Latin America or to what is now considered Latin America. And um, these communicable diseases obviously like affected everybody. But, you know, when you are in political crisis, all of your leaders meet, right? And so mm. like it was like the people at the... Like, you know, all of your leaders were, like, talking and meeting and the kind of political collapse that happens. And um, when all of your leaders suddenly fall ill and are unable to make the kinds of, like, sociopolitical decisions and organizing decisions that you would be able to make um, to move lots of different people, like, that is, in the end, what ended up devastating people and devastating these um resistance movements so we just have this idea that like you know and it's just like so um revisionist to believe that yeah yeah and like yeah indigenous communities in south america had armies and had military operations before the spanish and had their own internal you know it's like it wasn't like a this idea of like um, a docile people yeah, or something this, like, is also noble, very racist. Yeah, this savage idea as yeah. well. The right? other piece of the story that I read was that part of how the Spanish were able to finally end the insurrection was that they got support from other indigenous groups in the region who are not, um, who are in opposition to the people that she mm, was organizing with. Mm-hmm, so then it's mm-hmm. like the literal divide and conquer. Yep. Like literal. Um, I, and I just like, can you imagine like it's the 1700s? And I don't know anything about gender dynamics among indigenous these indigenous communities, but I know what it's like among the Spanish, right? So can you imagine being like these like Spanish military leaders who are all men, and then you're like being defeated by basically a woman who's leading this like insurrection? I feel mm-hmm. like that must have been such a I don't know. They must it's just like kind of incredible that she was able to do that. And 184 days is a long ass time. Yeah, I bet they were tight. <laughs> I, know. I bet they were tight. I know. So um, yeah, so they actually, the day of her death is actually celebrated as um, in the International Day of Indigenous Women, um, the day that she was murdered. So she's definitely like a big figure um, and an inspiration, I think maybe more in Bolivia because of the sort of local history. But but yeah, I'm really glad to know about her. And this song tells the story of her. And there's just still something so powerful about like, the song is in the indigenous language. Like, Lucimila is singing to her community. She's not telling the story to people outside the community. She's like telling, the, and I don't know what she's saying because I don't speak the language um, and it's not easy to, tra- you know, it's, it's not accessible, but it's like, it's not meant for us. I mean, we can listen to it and appreciate the beauty. And obviously there's audiences for her music outside of people who speak that language, but I don't know. It's just very powerful to like keep that knowledge and communication like within their own community. It's like these, this is who we come from, right? Like this is who... Um, our ancestors are right that's the story and it's important to keep the story going within the communities where Bartolina Sisa came from yeah that's super dope yeah um all right the next song we're gonna listen to um is labeled as an himno indígena but the other title is Amasua Ama Yula Yuya Ama Cuela let's take a listen
her voice is incredible. Like, it's just incredible. It's uh, kind of otherworldly sounding. Yeah, it really is. And I think I would really highly recommend y'all to go like watch some of her performances because um, listening to her is really something. But watching her mm-hmm. sing, I was just like, I need to see what she's doing because she's performing these like really sort of like acrobatic feats with her voice. Mm-hmm. But when she's singing, it looks so effortless mm-hmm. and like honestly almost meditative mm-hmm. when she's doing it. Um, she's yeah. like closing her eyes and is very calm and like does not look the way that I'm used to singers looking mm-hmm. when they are performing these like really difficult feats mm-hmm. with their vo- the voice. So it's, it's really incredible to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's like this is her natural ability. It doesn't seem like it's something she's had to stretch or mm-hmm. even necessarily cultivate in, in the same way you might imagine. Um, and yeah, there's nothing in her history about any formal education in singing or in music, you know. Um, obviously, she was educated in a, you know, a traditional way, like in the ways that she talks about how she learned. But yeah, there's no like, you know, I went to the, you know... Yeah, what we think about as a Western education and music. Right, like you go to the, uh, you know, you go to... um, Conservatory? Yeah, you go to like a conservatory and and that kind of thing, right? And you train your voice and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, she's incredible. She's also in this, if you want to click on um, the show notes, this song particularly, it's a a couple of them, but this one in particular is um, a live, a video of a live performance. And she's playing the charango. So not only she's singing this like amazing, incredible register, but she's also playing an instrument while she does it. Um, and it's, um, you know, it's a stringed instrument. And it's one that is mentioned in her history is that she had to teach herself because women were not taught to play that instrument when she was um, coming up. Yeah, it's a little, um, it looks like a tiny little guitar, like or a ukulele, mm-hmm. you know, like I think it's like four strings maybe. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so she's, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, beautiful. Um, I think we mentioned this, but she moved to Paris at some point in her life and has lived there basically since. And she was actually the Bolivian, the Bolivian ambassador to France for um, four years, from 2006 to 2010. So has also had somewhat of a political career, mm-hmm. which, you know, having an indigenous person from, you know, an indigenous community being the, the ambassador to Bolivia, you know, that's an, an amazing thing as well. Yeah, under Evo Morales' yeah. government. And in France. Well, places, yeah. Um, okay, we have one more song to share with you, and then we have one for our members. So if you're not a member and you want to become a member, you'll get a little bit extra content every week. So this song is called Wawakunak Kusinin. Let's take a listen. Soy el aire que respiras en 
can see in the song, she does sometimes sing in Spanish. Um, she's released more than 25 albums and composed more than 120 songs. So like a really incredible, long um, and productive career. That's, a, that's impressive. And she has a new album coming out sometime soon called Inti Watana El Retorno del Sol. So I'm going to try to kind of stay um, abreast of that so we can bring that to y'all when it comes out. That's very exciting. Just try to get her on the show. Yeah, I'm like, how old? If you're born in '49, oh, she's like, she's like 75. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's also a documentary coming out about her called Lucmila y los Pájaros. That's an ode to her um, upbringing and her career, and I really want to watch that as well because she's, yeah, she's just like a incredible, incredible person. Yeah, I've heard about this documentary being in the works. I'm really excited for it to come out. She. I want to learn more about her and her work, and also she like deserves a wider following, mm-hmm. and um, and you know I, I also just want to learn so much more about her mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for your patience with my um, challenging pronunciations of words that I don't of languages I don't speak. Thanks for your patience. <laughs> yeah, but thank you so much for bringing us all this info on Lucmila Carpio. I really learned a lot and, yeah. uh, you know, I liked her before, but this is really dope. I really appreciated all yeah, this. Yeah, thank you. And this I think was your idea to, to really focus on her. So I'm glad that we did. Um, all the information about these songs, the videos that y'all should definitely spend some time watching because there's some beautiful live performances are on our show notes at rathermanea.com. And you should follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, follow our little newsletter, subscribe. We always have cute little things for you there. And thank you so, so much for listening. And thanks to Maite for your editing. And we will see you next week. Hasta la próxima, y'all. Bye.